This is an AI Group podcast. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the most significant workplace relations issues of the month, July 2021. The full members-only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au. It's in the policy section under Workplace Relations Policy and Advocacy. With me today to discuss the key aspects of this latest report is Stephen Smith, our group's Head of National Workplace Relations Policy. G'day, Steve. Hi, Tony. Um, I'm Tony Melville, our group's Head of Corporate Affairs. So we're just going to take three issues out of this monthly report, uh, and that's stand downs and other COVID-19 IR issues, the respect at work reforms, and the casual award terms review, uh, all of which are very significant this month. So the, the first thing we'll talk about are the stand downs. So now this is a big issue during COVID-19, particularly in areas where there are lockdowns and st- big restrictions in place and where businesses are put in a situation where they need to look at standing down their workforce. There were some flexibilities before which have expired, and now we're looking at different circumstances from that big national lockdown that we had. So um, first of all, that's correct, isn't it, Steve? And so what circumstances now can we look at? As uh, you identified, Tony, in the past, we had access to the JobKeeper enabling uh, flexibilities in the Act, which have expired. So the general stand-down provisions in the Fair Work Act uh, are a lot more important with the current lockdown in New South Wales, for example, than uh, those provisions were in the past when those flexibilities were there. Really importantly, employers need to make sure that they're standing down employees lawfully if they use the provisions in the Act. Um, and the, the key thing in the context of COVID and uh, you know, either a lockdown or significant restrictions is that there needs to be a stoppage of work, not just a slowdown, but a stoppage of work. And that must be for a cause uh, for which the employer cannot reasonably be held responsible. So is that the only circumstance that you can have a stand down during the COVID? Well, there, there are other circumstances like um, you know, breakdowns of machinery and fires and floods and so on. But the key thing during uh, COVID is this issue of uh, you know, either a complete shutdown of a business or a major slowdown and whether the employer can offer useful employment to employees in those circumstances. So there's really the three things. Uh, yeah, the person can't be usefully employed. There's got to be a stoppage of work and uh, the employer cannot reasonably be held responsible. Now, in a COVID context, the last one is usually fairly readily satisfied. It's really this idea of a complete stoppage of work. You know, in, in a context where, say, a hairdressing salon has been ordered to close, then, of course, that's pretty clear cut, work stops. But if there's a dramatic slowdown in work, uh, but not a complete stoppage, that's where some employers find that they, you know, have not used the stand down provisions uh, lawfully in those circumstances. So do you you think there are many businesses that might have mistakenly stood down workers? And if they have, what sort of risks could they be facing in terms of penalties, et cetera? Well, hopefully that isn't occurring, but uh, 
um, if a business does unlawfully stand down its employees, not only is there the risk of penalties being imposed, but of course, if it's an unlawful stand down, uh, employees are entitled to be paid for the period when they uh, have been stood down without pay unlawfully. So it is really important for employers to make sure that in standing employees down, that they've gone about it uh, in a lawful way. Okay, so let's just go through a few of the frequently asked questions that we get on this. And that is, uh, first of all, can an employer stand down an employee who is on annual leave? Uh, no, not while the leave is continuing. So you, uh, the employer would need to wait until the annual leave that has concluded if they're wanting to stand the employee down. Uh, what about an employer who wants to access personal carers leave while they're stood down? Can they do that? Well, this has been the subject of a lot of debate and litigation, but finally the full court of the federal court uh, resolved this issue in a case relating to Qantas. And it's clear now that uh, an employee who has been stood down can't access personal carers leave. Okay. Um, now, do employee entitlements accrue during a stand down? Uh, they do uh, accrue during a stand down. So you you need to include uh, you know, personal carers leave and annual leave and other similar entitlements. They continue to accrue during a stand down period. Do employers have an obligation to communicate with their staff during stand downs? Um, yes, often that will be a, a formal obligation uh, through the terms of, uh, say, an award or an enterprise agreement. But even if there's not anything specific there, of course, it is very important that employers do communicate with staff and keep them informed. Some, some employers now might be thinking, is there some alternative I can look at instead of a, an outright stand down? Are there other options that they can look at? Yeah, there are some other options. Uh, of course, allowing employees to take annual leave is, is one option. Uh, perhaps providing annual leave in advance uh, could be looked at. Um, allowing employees to access long service leave is another option. Yeah, most of these options, though, do rely on agreement being reached between the employer and the employee. And again, those flexibilities that we had in the Fair Work Act during the JobKeeper era are not there anymore. And, and there were some very useful directions uh, during that period. But now that that's expired, um, there, there's a lot more onus on reaching agreement than, uh, than there was during that period. Okay, and we, we and a number of other business organisations are calling for some of those flexibilities to be introduced. You know, what, what's the main ones you'd like to see uh, back in play? Well, probably the most important one that employers would really welcome seeing the return of is what was called the JobKeeper Enabling Stand Down Direction. You know, it wouldn't be called a JobKeeper Direction uh, this time around if we, if we were to achieve that because... JobKeeper isn't uh, in place anymore, but what it did enable employers to do was to issue a direction to employees to reduce hours. So it, did, it wasn't an all or nothing thing like a, 
a normal stand down. You could direct an employee to work 20 hours a week, for example, if they normally work a 38 hour week. It would be great to get that uh, flexibility back during the current um, crisis, but at this stage, the, the government hasn't given any commitments on that. Okay, so just the second then of the three issues we can talk about today, it's the bill to amend the Fair Work Act and Sex Discrimination Act. So what's going to be changed there with that new Act amendment? Yeah, well, this bill is currently before Parliament. It's the subject of a Senate committee inquiry, but it is pretty certain, uh, I would think, that this bill is going to go through Parliament in August. There's a lot of uh, parliamentary uh, sitting days in August and it's hard to see this bill being uh, opposed by Labor, the crossbenchers or the, the Greens. So it, it's likely to go through. There, there'll be debate about whether it should be amended. But what it would do is a, a number of things. It's all around issues around sexual harassment in the workplace and providing uh, a response to you know all of the issues that have happened of late around that very important uh, topic of sexual harassment and the, the need to stamp out this type of behaviour. Um, firstly, the unfair dismissal laws uh, will be amended to make specific reference to sexual harassment. Uh, there'll also be a whole new jurisdiction uh, where the Commission has the ability to get involved in sexual harassment matters in the workplace and to issue uh, orders that will be very similar to the anti-bullying orders that they can currently issue to address sexual harassment uh, problems in workplaces. And there'll also be some key changes to the Sex Discrimination Act to beef up the um, you know, obligations on employers and the rights of employees in this area of uh, sexual harassment. So are AI groups supporting all these new measures? Uh, we, we are, we're, we're supporting this bill. We've had quite a bit of involvement uh, in the, uh, the, the preliminary stages of this legislation because it came out of a a 12-month inquiry conducted by the Sex Discrimination Commissioner, Kate Jenkins. There's a detailed report at the end of that called the Respect at Work Report, and uh, this bill implements a number of the recommendations. Okay. Are there some alternative views of the unions pushing anything extra? Yeah, the unions and various others are wanting uh, employers to have a positive duty to prevent sexual harassment in workplaces. Uh, we um, have pointed out that there already is a duty that is a positive duty and that sits within work health and safety laws where employers have a duty to protect the health and safety of their workers. There's also the concept of vicarious liability in the Sex Discrimination Act. So if an employer hasn't taken uh, all reasonable steps to prevent sexual harassment, they can be vicariously liable for the harassment of any of their um, you know, employees uh, that, that might engage in that sort of conduct. So 
really the, the, the idea of a positive duty doesn't take the issue much beyond the, the onerous duties that employers already have. Okay, and now the final issue, just when you thought you'd done enough reviews of various awards, there's the Casual Terms Award Review coming up. What's the story there? Well, there, this is a, a very big case, but it follows the changes to the Fair Work Acts that uh, everyone would be well aware of around casual employment. The Fair Work Act now has a detailed definition of a casual employee. It has a detailed regime with conversion rights and you know provisions protecting employers against double dipping claims. So that's all in the Act in great detail. This casual terms award review is looking at the, um, you know, I think there's 118 of the 121 awards that have casual provisions in them. So it's really looking at how these award provisions should be amended to align them with the new provisions in the Act. Okay, so that'll be the main thing. It'll just be, uh, there, there won't be any sort of new additional measures. It'll just be whatever's in the Act will be, everyone will be obliged to follow. Yeah, well, that's one of the big areas of debate. If you take the manufacturing award as an example, it has a different definition of casual employment to the one in the, the Act. It also has very different casual conversion provisions, uh, a casual under the manufacturing award at the moment, gets the right to make a formal rest request to convert after six months, whereas the, the Act, it's after 12 months. So the, the first stage of this major case uh, is just coming to the end. And what the Commission has decided, consistent with AI Group's submissions, is that it's going to adopt the definition out of the Act uh, for the manufacturing award and, and other relevant awards. It's also going to abandon the idea of having these different casual conversion provisions in, in the manufacturing award and many other awards. So it would just refer back to the Act, which is a really good outcome for employers because it will be much simpler than what the unions were arguing for, which was to, to cherry pick the two different regimes. Okay, and there's the manufacturing and associated industries, the hospitality industry, educational services, pastoral award, firefighting industry award. They're the ones under review. Yep. Yeah, they're the ones in stage one, which is just coming to an end. Then stage two is about to start, and that's uh, more than 100 other awards. So that's going to be a, a really big exercise. But fortunately, we've won most of the arguments at stage one, so it will make stage two a much uh, uh, simpler exercise hopefully and it'll be in the end much simpler for employers with a variety of workers on variety of awards it will hopefully this view that the full bench has adopted in stage one will prevail throughout um, stage two and that generally uh, awards will not contain any inconsistencies in the area of the casual employment definition or casual conversion rights to what's in the Act, which will be a much simpler uh, structure for employers and employees. 
Good to hear. Okay, I'll wrap it up there. And a reminder that the full members only report is available on our website at aigroup.com.au in the policy section under workplace relations, policy and advocacy. Uh, I'm Tony Melville, Head of Corporate Affairs at AI Group. And thanks to Stephen Smith. Thanks a lot, Stephen. That's all for now. We'll see you next time.